You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. We open up the month with Tailgate Sunday, but we close it with Winter Bible Conference. Would you take the insert that was provided for you, just hold it up and wave it at me if you would? We spent a lot of money on these. I just like to know that somebody's actually focused on this. If you'll take this in this upcoming week or more, put it in the hands of a guest, someone that you want to invite, or put it in your refrigerator, someplace where it's prominent. We are so glad that you're here today. Thanks for worshiping with us on Tailgate Sunday, and we pray that as you exit in a few moments, there may be some food left, there may not, but we hope that there is some uh, food, and we're glad for you to come and tailgate with us on the unofficial American holiday of Super Bowl, Hunt, Super Bowl Sunday. Did you see where the, the kids wanted it to move to Saturday so that they could, you know, have that day to recover and they would go back to school. Well, today we're really glad that you're here. In the moments to come, I want to shift your focus from Super Bowl 49ers Chiefs to a question. Here's the question. How do I know if I am a Christian? You ever asked yourself that question? How do I know if I am a Christian? That's a pressing question. Now, truth is, a lot of us have not given our faith a whole lot of thought. You may know more about what's in the freezer at home than your status of your faith. You may have given more brain cells to the coverage, like the nickel coverage, the dime coverage of the 49ers or the Chiefs there today, than you have your faith status. Here's a question. How do I know if I'm a Christian? I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians. Now, there's a Bible in front of you, and I invite you to grab that if you didn't bring one. It's a black book. Don't be afraid to use the table of contents. Without looking at the Bible as we look at this today, it's sort of like walking on one leg. It'll work. doesn't work all that well. And I invite you to grab that. Again, look at the book of Colossians with me. How do I know if I'm a Christian? There's some ways that Americans answer this question that camouflage the, the real answer. Let me give you some of those. Some people think that they're a Christian because mom and dad's a Christian, and they brought them when they were an infant, and they were baptized. Now, that's a great piece for mom and dad. It speaks well of their faith. But what does that do for you back in that day? Oftentimes, that type of ceremony can masquerade and hurt real Christianity. Here's another thing that oftentimes happens. We think that Christians are connected to a political party. If I'm part of this political party, then I must be a Christian. But here's the truth. Yesterday's values party is today's progressive party. A Christian is not a political party. There are believers spread throughout all politics. So it's not about a political affiliation. Neither is about a national affiliation. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we think that Christians are people who wave the flag. People who, maybe as American, I prove I'm a Christian if I show you my passport, if I show you my driver's license. But think about this historically. If you were to map concentration the cluster of Christians throughout history 
Think about this with me. If you were to put on a map, Google Earth, the cluster, the concentration, high school students, of where the most Christians are, of course, it begins in Jerusalem. In the first century, you see a high cluster of Christians right there. But in time, it moves to Alexandria, North Africa. That's where your high cluster concentration becomes. And then in time, for about a thousand years, Europe, high number of believers are there. And quickly it moves to North America, and now it seems to be shifting to places in Asia and Africa. Now, if you compare Christianity to Islam, Islam begins in Mecca, and if you want to find the highest concentration of Muslims today, you go right back to the Middle East. If you want to find a Hindu, it begins in India, and if you want to find the highest concentration, you go right back to India. And if you want to find a Buddhist, the highest concentration, it begins in the Far East, and you go right back to the Far East. Christianity is the only major world religion to shift, and it's telling you, it's speaking to you something. Christianity is not of the West, it's not a Republican thing, it's not a Democrat thing, it's not an American thing. Christianity is its own unique entity. And we masquerade the real essence of Christianity when we connect it only to a political party and connect it only to a definition of my patriotism or something that happened in my infancy. In the moments to come, I want to help you understand how to answer this question, how do I know if I'm a Christian? I want to do so by having an open Bible in front of you. In fact, at the end of today's service, I want to invite you to come by as we have a gift for you, the Encourager Room. But until then, look with me at Colossians chapter 1. Look at the beginning in verse 3. Here the Bible says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it is, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray, can we? More than anything, Father, we need you to show how real you are. There are times in life, Lord, when you've been more real than the person across the room or sitting next to me. And today I pray that the realness of Jesus, the realness of the Spirit, shows up in a powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today I want to give you three distinctive traits built right from the book of Colossians. Three traits. Like I might give you three traits on how to distinguish a male from a female or three traits of what makes a dog different from a cat. Today I want to give you three traits of what it looks like to be a Christian from the book of Colossians. Look at me first. Christianity focus, focuses on Jesus. How do I know if I'm a Christian? Well, the first of the checklist is a Christian focuses on Jesus. 
Now, in front of you, we've read from a letter from a celebrity Christian to a group of believers spread out in modern-day Turkey. Today, we could go to the ancient city of Coloss, Colossians. It's in modern-day Turkey. Now, keep in mind, it's written, these numbers are important, so focus with me. It's written around 60 A.D., a little after 60, 61, 62. Jesus would have died between 30 and 33 A.D., so here's a letter written about three decades after the death of Jesus. I said a moment ago that Christianity focuses on Jesus. Think about this with me for a moment. Kobe Bryant, as many of us know, passed away this past Sunday at the age of 41. You may not be into sports and athletics, but I remember when my son came into the bedroom earlier this week on Sunday and said, Kobe has passed away. I was shocked. A lot of people are. It's a cultural thing. We've seen a lot of references to it regarding sports. But think about this. How likely is it that Kobe's life and his death increase in influence? Can you think right around 250, 2050, 51, 52, that somebody writes a letter to another group of people speaking in the name of Kobe? Not likely, is it? Probably the major influence of that man's life is happening probably right now, and likely it's going to wane. In fact, most of our lives are just like that. Likely, whenever I pass away, the major impact will be on a few people, but I'm not going to have a pervasive influence on masses of people. No matter who it is, if it's your mother, your father, no matter how important they are, it's not likely that after their death, the influence of that person continues to increase and grow. Only I've got this letter in front of me that 30 years after the death, there's more Christians, people who call themselves little Jesus as little Christ than there were when he was alive. Let me make sure you get that. If you and I could travel back in time and we walked into the ancient city of Coloss right around the time, 32, 33 AD, when Jesus is walking on the face of the earth, and said, hey guys, hey, anybody in here heard of Jesus? Raise your hand. And everybody said, who? Now, 30 years later, you've got enough people who are worshiping in the name of Jesus. It becomes really important. Christians, genuine, real Christians focus on Jesus. So much so, let me just give you a quick tour of the letter in front of you. His name, Jesus, is mentioned three times in the six verses I read a moment ago. The first time in verse 3. Where the Bible says this, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mind-bending truth there. Everyone up until the life of Jesus thought that God was alone in heaven, that he did not have a son. And now we learn that he has a unique relationship with his son. The second time we hear the name of Jesus is in the beginning of verse 4. We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The third time where the Bible speaks of a man who is a faithful minister of Christ. In fact, it continues. I didn't read a moment ago, but you can pick it up in verse 13. If we read a little further, we can see that Jesus is greatly loved by God the Father. It goes even further. In verse 25 of chapter 1, it's called the Word of God. The same thing is called in chapter 3, verse 16, the Word of Christ. The Word of God, the Word of Christ, 
categorically the father and the son only love one another greatly but they agree on everything now think with me about this can you think of a father and son that agrees on categorically everything no way i've got two boys they're completely wrong on many many things right now but one day they will completely agree with their father right here is a father and the son the bible says that the father and the son have a high degree of love for one another. Not only they love one another, the Bible says they completely agree on everything with one another. In fact, it speaks of the special use, the uniqueness of Jesus in verse 19 of chapter 2, that he's the leader, the head of the church. And then it continues in verse 1 of chapter 3 that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now, what does that mean? Well, traditionally, ancient monarchs, royalty, if you're seated at the right hand, that's the place of power. So not only is Jesus powerful, but he's at the right hand of God the Father. He's not a little bit powerful like 1600 Pennsylvania. He's not a little bit powerful like the right hand of Putin. He is infinite in power. No wonder in verse 16 of chapter 1 says, For by him all things were created, things above in heaven, things below on earth, things I can see, things I can't see, visible and invisible thrones, dominions rulers authorities now this is look at this all things were created by him and all things were created for him jesus is a category all by himself put it together let's put together his resume he and his father agree on everything he and his father greatly love one another no conflicts there and they share this infinite magnificent power and here's the thing that as i read this letter over again this week i just couldn't get a hold of in verse 17 of chapter 3 it says everything a person does everything a person says is done in the name of jesus hey there's not a woman in this zip code that i love more than my wife tracy but if you think everything i say and everything i do is in the name of tracy that you're crazy i mean i've got my favorite sports fans sports teams i've got my alma mater all that kind of stuff but not everything, even an Aggie, not everything they do and say is in the name of Aggieland, right? Can you imagine the importance of someone, everything you say and everything you do in the name of Jesus? How do I know if I'm a Christian? Christians brag on Jesus, they sing about Jesus, they praise Jesus, they speak to Jesus, they talk to Jesus. That's the first. And this big question, how do I know if I'm a Christian? Secondly, Christians have faith, hope, and love. Back in our letter of Colossians, we learn this. These three traits are appearing in front of us, beginning in verse 4. Christians have faith, hope, and love. Anybody been to the rodeo? All right. I, I was there this Friday. Fantastic. Awesome. I don't know much about anything about livestock or anything like that, but I do know this. If I had cattle, I'd have a brand. It'd be a cool brand, too, by the way. And if Christianity has a brand, if you see the brand of a genuine Christian on any follower anywhere, no matter if they have a felon, no matter if they're a political party, what color they are, none of that kind of stuff, no matter who they are, here's the brand, faith, hope, and love. That's the brand. That trio is all over the place. If you're a pinball inside the New Testament and you're just ricocheting anywhere randomly, you're going to run into faith, hope, love all over the place. In fact, we see it in verse 4. We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, a moment ago, I said to you that here we have a letter 
written around 61, 62 AD in all likelihood, 30 years, three decades after Jesus has died. How do you have faith in a dead man? In fact, back in our letter, chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says in this book of Colossians, God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I'm not going to prove that to you today. I'm not going to offer evidence to you. I would invite you to take a little pencil, a little pen, and write down how do we know that Jesus raised from the dead. Just Google that. All kinds of videos and good things will come up. Some crazy things will come up too. I'll let you determine what's crazy and what's real. But Christians, genuine Christians, believe that Jesus rose from the dead. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you took his pulse on Friday and you took his pulse on Saturday, you're shaking your head. You got nothing. But if you find him on Sunday and you say, can I have your wrist? Can I hold it? It's alive. He's alive. He's no longer dead. He was really dead on Friday, really alive on Sunday. And by the way, he's still alive. That's what Christians believe. So you think, well, this is great for Jesus. Like this weekend, some guys got the Hall of Fame. They got the gold jacket, four or five of them. Well, praise the Lord. That's awesome. I'm happy for those guys. But it means more than that. It's not that somebody got a gold jacket or a World Series ring. No, it's not just a significant accomplishment for them. It's significant for you. In fact, in front of you, Colossians tells us that the resurrection is the transformative, it is the transformative event in history, but also in verse 12 of chapter 2, having been buried, this is speaking of Scott now, and if you're a believer, speaks of you, verse 12, chapter 2, having been buried with Jesus in baptism, we're raised with him through faith, the powerful working of God. Friend, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the brand, faith, hope, and love, when you put your faith in him, powerful things happen. In fact, look at verse 12 again. The Bible says this, it is so sure of a Christian's future resurrection, it speaks of it in the fast, past tense. Can you, can you imagine if today, right now, I had the ability to take the Lombardi trophy and run to Kansas City and hand it to them ahead of the game, say, you guys have already won it. I'm so sure of that. That's exactly what verse 12 is doing. So certain is the Bible of the future resurrection of a Christian, it's handing you the trophy already. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, having faith in him. This is the transformative moment. It's powerful. In fact, let me say it this way. If you're praying a prayer like this on Sunday morning, God, you know I've been really good. I want you to take care of me. I want you to take care of my finances. Take care. Lord, I'm trying to live for you. I, I, I'm doing everything I can for you, Jesus. I want you to take care of me. If you're praying that kind of prayer, the kind of prayer, Lord, I need you to do things for me because I'm doing good things for you, hear these words. You don't get it. Is that three words or four words? You're not tracking. Because when we have faith in Jesus, he does it for you. He lived a life for you, died a death for you, was buried for you, raised for you, and is coming back for you if you shop at uh, Sam's if you shop at Best Buy don't do what I do I do not like receipts unless it's a purchase for the church I just don't need to keep up with receipts and so if I'm at Best Buy and I purchase it I throw the receipt away in the trash can but what happens as you exit Best Buy and Sam's they want to see the receipt Mr. Mays, we think you stole this. Did you purchase 
this television. You need a receipt to walk out of the door with that possession. I'm telling you, if you want to walk into heaven, you're going to need the receipt of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the only way you're going to say, I'm purchased and I belong here. Because if you try to walk into heaven without that receipt, they're going to say to you, uh-uh, no. We don't know who you are. You've got to have faith in Jesus Christ. That's a trait, that's a genuine brand if you're really a believer. The second, you'll see it, I'm going to spend much time on in verse 4, it says, the love that you have for all the saints. Again, if Christianity has a brand, it's not physical, it's a spiritual It's a powerful moral brand. That is this, this brand says we love one another. So maybe you're a Democrat and you hate Republicans on the week of impeachment. Maybe you're a Republican and you hate Democrats. Maybe you're racist. If you genuinely have the Lord Jesus Christ in you, you will love your enemy. You will love across the aisle. You will love across the races. We need love. We need more genuine Christians. Here's the third trait that comes in that. The Bible says in verse 7 and verse 8, this talking about this man Epaphras. Thank God you're not named Epaphras. He's a faithful minister on Christ of your behalf who's made known to you your love. There again, it's love. It's always demonstrating. And then one more in verse 5. I love this. The hope laid up for you in heaven. <laughs> it's like God's storing hope. Like there's a freezer up there. And he just takes out hope. He's just got so much of it. He hands it off. We need a durable hope. So look at it again. How do I know if I'm a Christian? Does my life focus on Jesus Christ? Secondly, have I put my faith in Jesus? Do I have love as a result of that? And do I have hope as a result of that powerful, life-changing decision? Here's the third and last thing. Christianity only has faith, hope, and love. Christianity is life-changing truth. Look at verse 5. It's life-changing truth. The Bible says the word of the truth, the gospel. One more time at the end of verse 6. And understand the grace of God in truth. Friend, we live in a day when we don't face, we don't trust this news, we don't trust that news. This week I saw more people trust ABC News than any other news based on surveys. You've got your truth, I've got my truth, and then the truth gets spin. Look at me. This is the truth. In an age and time when Nobody trusts anybody, and cynicism is as high as it ever. There is a truth. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was raised for your sins. So today, I want to invite you to trust Jesus Christ. Now, this decision is not like joining a gym. If I join Lifetime Fitness, I plunk down $10, and I make some sort of commitment where I'll never show up again but keep paying you people, Right? <laughs> It's, it's not like buying a season pass to Six Flags. No, no, no. That's not this kind of decision. This is a decision that makes a major impact on your life. Imagine if you graduated medical school. Would you just take that medical degree and throw it in a drawer? No, you'd go pick up a stethoscope, wouldn't you? If, you? if you hit the lottery, don't play the lottery, it's crazy, but if you hit the lottery, do you, do, do you just go on conserving pennies? Probably not. That's a life thing. More than any of those two, this is the powerful life changes, and it's the truth. There's a word there at verse 6. I want you to get it. It's the word grace. Grace. The grace of God, the truth. 
here at the end, a lot of people think that faith equates to a mood, like a mood lamp or a lava lamp. Do I feel like going to church today? Do I feel like I've got faith? Do I feel good? Faith isn't a mood. Faith is more like a light switch. Either you have faith or you don't. Either the lights are on or they're off. So let me ask you, high school students, you may have done camp, you may have done D now, you may have been to some Bible studies, but do you personally have faith in Jesus Christ? By the way, there's a day probably coming when you'll get exposed. You're under mom and daddy's roof right now. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years of age when you make your own decisions. We're going to see if you've got genuine faith. What about you, middle-aged? What about you, married, single, grandma, grandpa? Do you have faith? Is it because you trust in what mom and dad did for you as an infant that you went through some sort of ceremony? Is it because of some political party affiliation or some sort of nationality? Genuine faith is a light switch. It's either off or it's on. In fact, I want to invite you today to embrace the Lord Jesus. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I don't care where your citizenship. I don't care whether you have felonies or not. Jesus made this so that anybody can embrace him. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.